This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, viewers. This is another episode uh, of our podcast series. And today we have a very special guest with us. He is the SVP of Corporate Strategy and Finance at Selectus. So I know a lot of you guys do not understand or know about Selectus, but uh, here's a chance for you to learn a little bit more about cell therapy, CAR-T therapy, and their story. So welcome, Simon, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Manisha. I appreciate the introduction, and this is a wonderful platform that you built and that you continue to build. And it's amazing that you have these uh, new technological means to involve people such as myself and maybe give a more broader insight into companies that other people only see in one-on-one meetings um, or in bespoke investor conferences. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So biotech is very esoteric and it's hard to understand for most investors. So if we can start at the basics, um, can you describe what Selectus does and kind of their history and how it even started? Yeah, absolutely happy to do that. So Selectus is actually a company that has been around for a while. We've been founded in the late 90s, and our current CEO is the founder of the company and one of the very early scientists working in this amazing field called gene editing. And I'll explain more what gene editing really does uh, in a little bit, but let's focus on Selectus first. The company was built as a gene editing company and then pivoted over the years into oncology research, first of all. And then we have now also undisclosed new programs outside of oncology. And I'll also maybe allude to some of those programs later. But Selectus has been built on this concept of being able to manipulate the genome of living cells in order to have certain characteristics that could be helpful in treating different types of diseases. Um, There are diseases, for example, that are hereditary. So you're born with a genetic defect And the scientific dream would be to go into a patient with a genetic defect and correct that genome and then have the patient not have this disability anymore or this disease. Um, That could make a huge change for patient lives. And there's millions of patients around the world with genetic diseases or where a gene correction could be very helpful. And one of those subcategories is in oncology and cancer research because one of the best cancer-fighting mechanisms in the world and in science is actually the immune system of the patient him or herself. So if you can engineer the immune system to recognize cancer cells and fight those cancer cells specifically through your immune system, this would be one of the most efficacious ways to do this. Um, And so one subcategory here is in immunotherapy, which is the broad field of using the immune system to fight cancer, um, 
in immunotherapy is a field called CAR T cells. And CAR T cells are an invention that came along around 2005, where scientists at the University of Pennsylvania discovered that you can actually use a patient's T cell, which is part of the adaptive immune system, engineer it with what we call a chimeric antigen receptor, that is short for CAR. Um, this CAR T cell is an engineered immune system cell with a binding domain that can find specifically gene targets on specific cancer cells. And these targets are more and more understood today because we have the ability of genome sequencing, we understand the sequencing of different types of tumors, and we understand, you know, for example, what does a lung cancer, liver cancer have in common? Or what do different blood cancers have in common? And these commonalities are sometimes found in ge the genetic profile of a cancer cell. And so engineering a T cell with a chimeric antigen receptor to recognize a target on another cancer cell, bind to that cancer cell, and then destroy that cancer cell through the release of certain toxins that the T cell uses to fight foreign stuff in the body. That was the invention of CAR T cells um, back in 2005, around that time. So at Selectus, we looked at this development very, very much in detail. And we have seen a number of companies, a number of different uh, scientific groups develop what we call individualized therapies. So you go to a patient, you take blood from that patient and you filter out those T cells and then you manipulate them and you genetically engineer them and you reinfuse them back into that patient. That's a very lengthy process. It takes a couple of months, if not a few weeks at least. At that time, that patient is at a very critical stage. The cancer is progressing. Um, you don't know if the manufacturing process will be done in time to give back to the patient. Mm -hmm. There are sometimes you know, mistakes that happen in the manufacturing process, and then you cannot use those cells again, and you've already gone through a very, very complicated process. And that complicated process is what we call an autologous or individual uh, CAR T cell uh, development in so this space interject here, then mm -hmm. what Selectus is doing is completely different than the autologous process. Of exactly. Cells. So at Selectus, we analyzed the space and we said, you know, with gene editing, we can actually speed up this process, make it much more robust and not use the patient's own cells to treat the patient. But through gene editing, we can use donor derived T cells and manipulate them with our gene editing technology, fix the cells and make them chimeric antigen receptor uh, uh, competent cells. So basically you take donor cells, genetically engineer them, fuse a car onto those T cells. And then we have a raw material, a product that you can store in freezers around the world at hospitals. And immediately when a patient comes in, you can give those car T cells to a patient. And that development started in 2013. Um, we use a gene editing technology called Talon. Um, that's a long word. Talon stands for transcription activator-like effector nuclease. And that Talon technology is so precise that we can edit the genome that we want to manipulate in those T cells over 95% efficiency. If I can interject again, um, recently there is a publication, I believe, uh, between Talon's gene editing and a lot of people are aware of CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing, mm -hmm. but uh, there was some efficiencies uh, shown that Talon's uh, was better by almost fivefold, I believe. Uh, 
in certain regions of the DNA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can talk about that a little bit more because that's very important to understand for the overall efficiency and the product yield that you want to have at the end. Um, at Selectus, we know the gene editing technologies very, very well. The company actually started with a technology called meganuclease. We investigated very thoroughly zinc finger nucleases of the basis of which is actually the talent technology. Um, so the inventor of the talent technology looked very much in detail at zinc finger nucleases and then developed the talent technology as a consequence of that. And that was about in 2012. In 2013, the CRISPR technology was not developed but actually recognized that you know in, in nature, this is what happens. So the, this, the discovery of CRISPR was a very important point for the gene editing field because now we found out that bacteria naturally produce this type of technology to fight viruses. And that was recognized as a turnaround for the gene editing space because now you did not have to engineer those gene scissors. They're kind of like scissors to make certain cuts in the, in the genome that you're targeting. You don't have to engineer them yourself but they come ready out of the box. That's what the huge advantage of CRISPR is. However, now that we understand this gene editing technology much better, we understand also where certain shortcomings are. And those shortcomings sometimes may be making a huge difference in your clinical development where high technology is your daily bread. You use robots and artificial learning and machinery like in a car factory where you're assembling a very complex car, there's a lot of robots doing that. There's not an out of the box car that just comes along. So knowing how to engineer these gene editing scissors is something that we have developed inside Selectus over 20 years. And we have a lot of technology that it takes us, you know, a day or two to make one of those scissors. Um, and it works automatically through the usage of robots that we have. Um, the CRISPR technology now democratized this type of access to the technology to do cuts in the genome for universities around the world and fantastic companies around the world. But at the basis of it, it's a scissor. And you want to have a very sharp scissor with a very specific targeting mechanism to make the cut and the manipulation in the genome exactly where you want it to happen. And if that does not happen exactly where you're targeting targeting it that could either delay or make your process inefficient and that inefficiency translates into yields so when we try to make cells for our patients car t cells in one manufacturing run we can make hundreds of vials for hundreds of patients and in some other technologies the the yield is much lower the, the proof of concept is there and it's great for a scientific publication, but when we're thinking about treating patients around the world in large volume, we believe we've set the bar very, very high. And this publication that you uh, mentioned was a nature publication by the University of Illinois. Um, and what it shows, it's an independent publication, is that in uh, pieces of DNA that are clustered, um, the efficiency of CRISPR is much lower than the efficiency of Talon to recognize and make a targeted cut. And that's very important for us because with our technology, we can make a precise cut at very high efficiency, over 95 plus percent efficiency, closer to 99% when we talk on the R&D level um, in any part of the genome, whether it's a clustered part of the DNA or an open target site. 
Um, and that's the power of this Talon technology. But the reason why more people talk about CRISPR than Talon is that it's kind of everywhere around the world because it's an out of the box approach. But to us, it's not the sharpest tool in our toolbox. And that's why we use the Talon technology. We actually at Selectus filed a lot of patents. We have one of the largest patent estates in the gene editing space. There was another Nature publication actually a couple of weeks ago um, that showed a ranking of, you know, who has the most patents in the gene editing space. And I think it's led by University of Pennsylvania, followed by Novartis and Bristol Myers after their acquisition of Celgene, and then Selectus on fourth place with over 400 patent families and patents in the gene editing space. And that even includes CRISPR. Uh, and that even includes CRISPR. And that includes CRISPR for the manufacturing of these CAR T cells that I described earlier. Right. That's fascinating. So right now, so using gene editing and we have these cell therapies, um, where is Selectus headed in terms of treating patients? And then if you can, um, maybe describe a bit more about kind of looking forward towards um, where Selectus is headed. Yeah, perfect. Um, I'm going to start by describing what we started with in the clinic, in clinical development, and when we are today, I'll get to that. When we started with the first patients ever treated with our technology, with our off-the-shelf gene-edited allogeneic CAR T-cells, that was back in 2015 with our partner, the wonderful University College London, UCL, and uh, specifically the, uh, the UCL Children's Hospital called Great Ormond Street Hospital, or GOSH in short. Um, at that children's hospital in London in 2015, we started treating babies that were born with a very aggressive form of leukemia called acute lymphoblastic leukemia, ALL. That type of leukemia has uh, a genetic profile that highly expresses the target CD19. That's why a lot of initial CAR T therapies were targeting CD19 because it was so highly expressed in these type of B cell malignancies. We started in 2015 not knowing where this technology would lead us. We did the first engineered batch of off-the-shelf CAR T cells where our gene editing technology actually enables these cells to be used from a donor in a patient without attacking the patient's immune system, which this is the main problem. When you use a donor-derived T cell and you put it into a patient, you have a side effect called GVHD or graft-versus-host disease. And our gene editing technology and capability enables us to prevent GVHD by removing something we call the TCR alpha from these CAR T cells. That was the first proof of concept in 2015 before a phase one even started. We did a few patients that we dosed with our CAR T cells under a compassionate use protocol. And that's a handful of babies that were born, um, developed an aggressive form of leukemia. They had different types of chemotherapies. They had different type of bispecific antibodies or antibody drug conjugate treatments. They even had sometimes a bone marrow transplant already to try to help them. But the cancer came back very aggressively. And all of these patients had a very, very limited life expectancy of maybe a few weeks to a few months because the cancer was taken over their, their body. The last hope really was this investigational treatment that we manufactured with these new CAR T cells that people just had heard about at the time. And those patients were too sick to have a CAR T cell manufactured from their own cells. So the only possibility was this off the shelf 
CAR-T uh, technology that we're providing through gene editing. And those patients were dosed. And four weeks later, the patients were in complete remission, kind of like a miracle at the time. Um, there was an article in the New York Times. There was an article in, in London about this, um, that one specific patient was highlighted there, um, you know, with very, very short life expectancy, got treated with our CAR T cells. And that program was called UCART 19 for a CD19 universal CAR T. And those patients were cancer free four weeks later, stayed cancer free. Some of them received the bone marrow transplant after they were cancer free, just to give them the ability to rebuild their immune system quicker. Um, and those patients are young kids now. They're five, six years old. They're in school, in kindergarten. Um, and it's, it's amazing that we were able to be there in this moment to, to offer this shot at a successful treatment. Um, that was the first program that we brought into the clinic. Um, it was, however, also the first program we partnered. Um, this program is partnered with Servier, which is a French private biotech company. Um, and the US rights were partnered through Servier with Pfizer at the time. And at the time in 2015, we had a large partnership with Pfizer on 15 targets and selectors at the same time developing their own 12 targets of CAR T cells. As a young biotech company, um, oftentimes you go down the route of selecting a very large partner on the farmer side to help you accelerate clinical development, to get funding um, and to get entry into the clinical sites um, that these pharma companies have very close ties to. Um, so for us, this really helped get selectors onto the map. This was a first success of treatment. Um, however, this program was an out-licensed program. And UCART-19 was the old name. However, in 2018, Pfizer decided to create a new company. And that new company is called Allogene. And Allogene is a fantastic team of very successful biotech entrepreneurs, notably the chairman Ari Beldegren and the, uh, the uh, CEO David Chang. They were previously the leadership team of Kite. And Kite Pharmaceuticals was the first or one of the first company to make a commercial autologous CAR T cell. And that- And just for people listening, again, autologous is the more, well, the lengthier manufacturing process, a bit more difficult for patients. So yes, they were first to commercialize, um, but again, you're the next step. Uh, exactly. Or collect yeah. the next step. Yeah. This is really the allogeneic versus autologous development is the key to the discussion here. The autologous CAR T cell development was the first proof of concept. It's the first generation. The allogeneic CAR T cell is the second generation, the new proof of concept that we're able to mass produce these cells at a much lower cost of good with probability of success that are much higher because we test the product and know how good it is before it reaches patients in hospitals. So these first autologous programs were the proof of concept. That management team created Allogene from Kite um, and convinced Pfizer to give them the pipeline with Pfizer owning a quarter of that company. Um, and that entire pipeline at Allogene is licensed from Selectus. So each target that Allogene is developing is originally licensed by Pfizer from Selectus. And those targets were one of the first ones we worked on in this collaboration together. And that's why they're also one of the first targets entering into clinical development. I have an uh, interesting question here. Where we had so many other companies working on CAR T therapies, mm -hmm. 
uh, these companies were working on autologous, but Selectus chose to start with allogeneic. So in a lot of ways, in my opinion, you guys are ahead of the curve in seeing what the future can hold. So I guess what was the thought process in doing that in developing the pipeline? Obviously, you need, uh, once you had a strategy, uh, yeah. you're dedicated to it. So, and I think uh, from my memory, um, a lot of people were a bit, well, I guess they were cautious that allogeneic would not work. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's, this is the key again. So when we started with our allogeneic concept, which came from the natural development of Selectus being a gene editing company, we made a very conscious decision in 2013-14 to build a 100% gene edited allogeneic CAR T-cell pipeline. And that was at the height of the autologous CAR T-cell development with KITE, Juno, Novartis, racing for the first autologous program in the clinic. Bluebird Bio followed their steps with another autologous CAR T-cell development. To us, we had our strategy made. We were betting on the success of the gene editing technology. And today we see what a good bet that was and what a great space gene editing is turning out to be. We had the first idea as the first company or scientific team in the world to make a donor-derived gene-edited CAR T-cell. And not just because of the ease of dosing patients with something that comes right out of your freezer and you give it to a patient, but also to expand the amount of tumors and targets that we can pursue with these cells. The autologous CAR T-cells are very limited because here's the thing, and that goes more into detail of the science. The autologous CAR T-cells, because they're part of the patient's own immune system, have the tendency to persist for a very long period of time. And for a long time in 2014, 15, that was the subject of debate that CAR T cells can only be successful the longer they persist. But now we understand that side effects are coming up that are getting more severe the longer they persist. So from an allogeneic concept, we engineer CAR T cells that are able to be produced from a donor cell and given to patients right away where they are in need without lengthy manufacturing, lower cost of goods, et cetera. But we're also able to go and pursue targets that are more prevalently expressed on other cells um, with a window of persistence that is technically shorter than an autologous CAR T cell. However, we have ways of either lengthening or shortening that window of persistence. And I'll go to that point in a minute. And being able to manipulate the length of persistence of these CAR T cells is very important because there's a paradigm shift from CAR T cells being this, you know, very expensive one shot on goal, being an autologous product, to an off the shelf drug that is a frozen pharmaceutical product that you can dose once, you can dose it twice, maybe three times, like an antibody therapy, right? That is the concept behind this allogeneic uh, process. That's fantastic. And you said something that triggered uh, just a different question. Uh, you were talking about length of persistence mm -hmm. of these CAR T cells in the body. Um, so thus far, a lot of people have been skeptical, so to speak, that CAR T can work in solid tumors. So mm -hmm. do you think that as you're mentioning and explaining how um, 
affecting other cells versus not, was that you hinting at potentially CAR-T would be a viable therapy for a certain solid tumor indications? Absolutely. That's absolutely what I was hinting at. And the idea is here that we've seen actually some exploratory studies, for example, by Novartis in mesothelioma, um, to try to use autologous cells in a solid tumor environment. And the readout from those studies was very interesting. There was a short-term regression of the tumor cells, but then over time, these CAR-T cells become exhausted. They're still detectable. They persist for a long period of time, but they're exhausted. They don't do anything anymore. It's a one-shot, um, and the tumor comes back, um, and you relapse. And so with an off-the-shelf approach, we're able, hopefully in the future, to show a proof of concept that we can target tumor cells in different shots, have a short-term persistence that doesn't harm the patient for a long period of time, but be able to attack the tumor with multiple shots. Um, again, these studies haven't begun yet, but this is the concept of our pipeline as well. So maybe coming back to our pipeline, because I didn't fully answer the question earlier, we built a series of different targets at Selectus. The idea was to de-risk this off-the-shelf concept, which frankly, we had no idea if this was going to work in 2015. And then we were blown away by you know, the initial success. Um, we partnered two very prominent targets that are in a very crowded field. These are not the largest patient indications. It's just some of the most prominent targets pursued by CAR T cells called CD19 and BCMA. CD19 for ALL or non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, BCMA for multiple myeloma. Very crowded market. We have partnered both of these programs with Allogene, which has actually already shown results in both ALL, NHL, and in BCMA. Last year in, in NHL, DLBCL, and BCMA for CD19 and BCMA. Um, so very, very interesting proof of concept that we think is on a straightforward line uh, towards an approvable product, um, but very crowded markets. For that, we wanted to join forces with some of the best teams around to get these programs towards commercialization. Selectus is entitled to receive up to $3 billion in milestone payments if these programs reach the market and become successful, plus the rest of Allogene's pipeline. However, at Selectus, we singled out certain targets that we think are giving you a lower bar that you need to bit, that you need to hit in terms of a success in your clinical trials because these targets are maybe more difficult to pursue, but we are able to do this with our gene editing technology to make targets possible that were previously not possible to pursue. For example, in multiple myeloma, there's a target called CS1 or also known as SLAMF7. And it just happens that this target is not just expressed on multiple myeloma cells, but also on T cells and other immune system cells. So if you want to make a CAR T cell pursuing CS1, you need to use gene editing technologies to remove CS1 from the surface of that target of that T cell so that these CAR T cells don't kill each other in a manufacturing process. So we engineer out CS1, we engineer out the TCR alpha and we fuse a CAR with a target of CS1 onto those T cells. And they can effectively um, target multiple myeloma cells because they don't kill each other. They only see the CS1 targets on, on other cells. Um, at the same time, they're also suppressing the patient's immune system by targeting CS1 for a certain period of time. 
So these T cells can persist, attack tumor cells, and eventually get rejected. That's the concept for this program. That's why we picked this target. We have another target called CD22, which is a very well-expressed target uh, in ALL as an alternative to CD19. Last year, we've shown the proof of concept that we can treat patient, patients that have actually failed CD19-targeted therapies, including CAR-T therapies targeting CD19, and bring patients into complete remission with the CD22 target. That's why we picked this target. As an alternative, less people are doing it, but there is a large unmet need in this patient population for patients that don't respond to CD19 therapies. Um, do you want to comment on potentially, so you mentioned how there's so many people going after CD19 and BCMA targets, and then you have the likes of allergene, which would be considered a competitor, but they've licensed uh, candidates and uh, well from Selectus. So if you're looking at valuations and what they're going after, and then your in-house uh, products that you're developing, um, how do you make sense of that? And how important is it to actually go after different targets? Mm -hmm. That's a very important question. So Allogene has a valuation of about $5 billion or $4.5 billion. Select is one, currently $1.2 billion. The reason of this disconnect, I believe, is that the clinical programs are more visible uh, the further they're along. Um, so you have Allogene with the CD19 target, with the BCMA target. Again, these are fully licensed targets from Selectus. So if Allogene is successful, which I really root for their success, they're not a competitor to us. They're a partner in our pipeline. They should be successful because it's to us, it is the best advertisement for our scientific platform and the capability that we could achieve. These targets are more advanced in the clinic. So there's more patients already, more patients treated, more data readout and follow up. So it's very important to understand the stage of development here. The entire pipeline of Allogene is licensed either directly from Selectus or in the case of the CD19 target, we license it to Survey, they license it now to Allogene. So we know their pipeline inside out because we help pick those targets that they get versus what we retain. For Selectus, we own the gene editing technology. We have our know-how, we have our IP, we have our in-house manufacturing. We do all those things in-house. And that's why I think it's very, very interesting to look at Selectus, not just as a CAR-T company, but as a gene editing company. And look at the comps out there on the gene editing side. You have Intelia, Editas, CRISPR therapeutics, huge valuations. Selectus is under the radar because people are focusing too much on the near-term clinical data readout versus what is this platform worth to a pharma company, to you know, partners out there, scientific institutions. We have the ability to license more and more targets based on our gene editing capability. We have the ability to do large partnerships based on different indications or disease areas that are only targetable with a gene editing technology because we own this technology. We own this IP. It's built inside Selectus. So I think the chapter two of Selectus is just starting now, if you can call it like that. Um, you have comps out there where you can see this is where Selectus should be. Um, look at what these companies own. Do they have in-house technology? Do they have in-house manufacturing? What does their pipeline look like? Partnered versus proprietary targets. And I think with Selectus, you have a great situation where you have 
a series of proprietary targets already in the clinic. So not like promise to file an IND or start a study two years down the road, but we have three programs in the clinic right now recruiting patients. We have a pipeline of already four partner targets in the clinic by Allogene and Servier. More data to come from there. More data, if it validates the target and the clinical path forward, gives milestone flow to selectors. So if Allogene wins, we win. If we have proprietary targets that work, we win. We don't owe anyone royalties <laughs> on our proprietary targets. So I think it's a skewed setup, but I think that's part of the inefficiencies in the market. I, I love the fact they mentioned that you guys are a gene editing company. Um, that's the core of it. Mm -hmm. um, I think there is a misconception that you guys just focus on CAR-T. Now, um, you can add to this or not, but is there anything in the pipeline where you are using talons for other purposes or other uses or other modalities of delivering a drug? Absolutely. We will talk about this soon this year, so stay tuned. We've kept it under the radar for the last couple of years to make the proof of concept and to have a very substantial uh, platform of data that we can talk about. This is all preclinical, um, but these are very, very interesting um, propositions where we believe only a very, very high efficient gene editing technology can capture the best in class product. So stay tuned for that. We're very excited about that development. To add to the fact that we're a gene editing company, we have spun out a company called Calix, which is a gene editing company in the agriculture space. It is actually the only gene editing company that's publicly traded in the ag chemical space, the ticker CLXT. We spun this company out in 2017, and that company is developing like a brain pool, new solutions in the ag space where you have really big constraints in terms of climate change, you know, like crops that are affected by drought or flooding, um, different daylight time zones. Um, so there's a lot of things. And then coming to the consumer health, there are crops that you eat as an oil, for example, soybean oil every day. You don't even think about it, but there are certain health impacts that you know normal soybeans have that we could maybe uh, improve on um, if it was uh, using gene editing technology. So that company is very, very interesting. We have over 50% ownership in that company. It's a very important asset to Selectus. And actually, Calix was able to bring a new food product from concept to approved food product that you can buy in the market in just two and a half years. And that just doesn't mean like in biotech therapeutics development, you know, running a phase one to three trial, but this is basically doing a one, two, three trial in your greenhouse, and then having hundreds of thousands of acres contracted with farmers, railroad access, distribution, crushing facilities, all that built together in under three years um, for a commercial product. Um, so that just shows you what's, what's possible. So what exactly is the relationship between Selectus and Calix? So did you just license out talents? Um, is there uh, ownership into uh, Calix? Um, and What's the interaction there? Absolutely. We licensed the talent technology to Calix for the ag and plant science field. Um, Selectus has the patents for talent in the therapeutics, human therapeutics field. So that on paper is maybe the most important relationship 
Um, we were very closely involved in gearing up the company for the IPO and bringing it public. But now this is a completely independent company that is actually led by Jim Bloom, the CEO, who was the ex-CEO of Bayer Crop Science North America. So he's a very seasoned entrepreneur and CEO in the, life, in, in the ag business. Um, he managed a $9 billion business unit at Bayer. Um, and he really has the strategic thinking how to make Calix into a commercial entity. So that commercial thinking of having products made through gene editing is the, the center of, of the focus for Calix. But in terms of operations, there's no overlap between Calix and Selectus. Um, for us, this is just an equity stake uh, that we hold in that company. Gotcha. Um, going back to Selectus uh, as a core unit, what, in your opinion, is the addressable market of the areas that you are targeting to solve? So at Selectus with our pipeline currently in oncology, we are covering a majority of hematologic malignancies. So a majority of blood tumors. And that is already a sizable market opportunity with multi-billion dollar product uh, potential. And then as we talked about earlier, the solid tumor space is the next frontier. Um, when you think about a liquid tumor, you have to think about it. You have tumor cells that are all over your body um, in your bloodstream. So when you have cells pursuing tumor cells, like when you have CAR T cells pursuing tumor cells in a form of a leukemia or in a, in a blood cancer, um, you have the ability to attack a lot of cells at the same time. When you think about a solid tumor, it's more like an onion where you have to peel back layer after layer because it's focused on one area. Um, and that is the next prospect with our CAR T cells to have multiple shots to peel back layer after layer until we can destroy the tumor. So that is the difference in difficulty. That's why we had to build the foundation in liquid tumors. How do these cells interact in the patient's body? Can we redose those cells? And now that we have passed that proof of concept, we can move forward in solid tumor development. Gotcha. Uh, thank you. I mean, it looks like Selectus has a lot of opportunities and different ways that you guys can strategically choose to go towards. Um, when it comes to, well, what is very fascinating to me um, is that you guys have recently in-house manufacturing. I, I'm sure you still have partners, um, but how does that affect just in general? What are your thoughts on the... Um, I guess, the advantages of having in-house manufacturing as opposed to partnering with the CDML. Exactly. This is, I think, we come to the most important point maybe at the end here. <laughs> because in-house manufacturing, when you look at the landscape of gene editing and cell therapy companies, there are some very rich valuations out there because of the scientific platform that's, you know, you know raised a lot of money by prominent, um, you know, management teams. Um, when you look under the surface, you have to look at, what shot on goals do you have um, with your technology in the clinic? What type of technology are you using to actually treat patients? Because at the end of the day, the patient doesn't know what scissors cut DNA in a cell. It's just like, do I have cells actually to give, to inject? Um, and that is 90% of the success, I would say, for any cell therapy company is to be able to manufacture constantly under the same parameters of cell quality, uh, potency of cells, figuring out the potency from one manufacturing run to the next. When we started this, 
every run was almost like a different drug. Now we are on a straight line. The potency of our cells that we manufacture is equal from every batch to batch. And then doing this out licensed with a contract research organization is like giving away knowledge for free. And it also builds in an, an element of uncertainty. There's a lot of consol consolidation in the CRO space. So if your contract manufacturing organization gets bought up, then what do you do? Do you start from scratch with a new contract manufacturing organization? Everything that we do is cutting edge science where the proof of concept is built in Selectus. And then we need to teach a contract manufacturer how to do those cells, how to manufacture those cells. So why not keep that in house? So we were able to, you know, uh, attract investors that support us in this development. And we were actually able to start building out our in-house manufacturing facility two years ago. And it just got finished last quarter in 2020. So we have a 80,000 square foot facility in North Carolina. In addition to that, we actually built out a manufacturing uh, group in Paris um, that makes the raw material um, for our cell production that is currently being finalized with our CMO partners um, for clinical development. But the Raleigh, North Carolina facility will take over the manufacturing this year. And then with that, we're fully independent to manufacture our products in-house, to keep our know-how in-house, to have a stable team um, without any turnover, like, a, like I said, a CMO that gets bought out. Um, when you have that in-house, you're ensuring the success of your clinical trials by having product to give to patients. And I think this will accelerate the clinical development exponentially. I think in the past, we sometimes had to wait months, if not years, um, for newly manufactured batches, which is something that we can discuss. Like this is an overhang on the story was kind of the, the lack of quick clinical development in the past. But you have to imagine that we're entering a completely new space with manufacturing off-the-shelf CAR T-cells and the success of these clinical trials highly dependent upon the successful manufacturing of products. Now we have an in-house process. We have constant supply of cells. So there's no delay in clinical trials because of the manufacturing piece. And that's, I think, going to make a huge difference between companies that have just started in the space with the gene editing technology versus companies like Selectus that have been in this space for years now, manufacturing these cells in-house with our in-house technology, with our in-house IP, with our team that is there to do this on a daily basis. So we'll talk about that also more and maybe soon we'll be able to actually welcome people in person um, at our manufacturing facility because of COVID. I volunteer uh, being the first person. Exactly, yeah. We'd love to have you there. It looks fantastic. I've seen, I've seen the videos and photos, how it's all coming together. Um, it's absolutely amazing. So um, I think there will be a new coming out party for Selectus this year where you see the progress that we've made, you know, both in clinical development, but also what is under the surface um, you know, with the technology that we've built, the platform, the manufacturing areas outside of oncology. So there's a lot of elements coming together. Well, thank you so much, Simon, for all of this information. Um, I think I personally learned a lot, so my brain is hurting right now. Um, is there anything that is pressing that you'd really like to get out um, in terms of Selectus's story? And then I have one final question right after that. Yeah, I think as the pioneer, you also are the first one to jump over a lot of hurdles. And the better you jump over those hurdles, the better you become at being a leader in the space. So I think for Selectus, being the pioneer and making that call of doing 
allogeneic gene-edited CAR T-cells is paying off vastly now, but I think the valuation is still at an attractive entry point right now because we have so much going on that I just talked about. And I think people need to just focus more on like what's under the surface um, of companies that they're looking at. Um, and that's why I think this podcast is fantastic to enable more people to listen to, you know, what's actually going on under the surface at Selectus. And I think that's the most important point to get across. I completely agree. Um, I think if you look at valuations and whatnot, and I look across different biotech companies and a lot of valuations, I mean, they're worth it, but I just, there's so much going on at Selectus and it is so fantastic. So um, I will say it's one of my favorite companies, um, but my last question is you can answer it or choose not to, but I want to know if you can estimate how many times have people said you look like Ed Sheeran? <laughs> it's so funny. Like one time before the pandemic started, I got back from an overnight flight and my hair was messy. <laughs> and I went through security uh, at JFK. Um, and right, right while I was walking through, the guy said like, oh my God, that was Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I was very humbled by that. So uh, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Simon, for, I mean, this was fantastic. Um, I know I'll be re-listening to this because there's so much information here. Um, and especially getting that under the hood view of Selectus. Um, I think on the surface, if you just look through it, it's easy to glaze over, but just having the specific kind of scientific basis of what you guys are founded on. I think that was extremely helpful and what investors should be looking forward to. So thank you so much for taking out time to speak with me um, for this podcast. Appreciate it, Manisha. Thank you so much for your time, for all the great questions. And I'm excited for this year. Thank you. A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.